out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As always, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of rock band Nazareth, because I spoke to Pete Agnew. Um, well, this is a couple of years ago, actually, but I thought let's uh, let's kind of make sure the archive is up to date. Yes, the bassist and vocalist with a Scottish uh, band, born in Dunfermline, Scotland. Anyway, this is the interview. After a bit of uh, casual chat, we got down to basically they were celebrating 50 years of being in a band and still touring and also releasing compilations and new albums. And um, yes, after having that sort of uh, conversation this was Pete's response Pete it's over to you Nazareth. well these bands used to these bands used to the lifetime of these bands was length of a, a Nazareth tour you know yes whereas whereas the thing we did I mean I miss I missed until I remember like uh, when they did the punk thing we missed that we were in we, I was away that year <laughs> so we were in America we come back I remember something that was like uh, we come off the plane and we picked up a melody maker, and it was uh, I think it was Devito leaves Buzzcocks to something other. And Dan went, Dan picked us up. He said, "Who leaves what?" <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea. So because we, we sort of missed it. the whole punk thing happened so fast, it was gone, you know. So uh, and, and I think I think uh, I think uh, and as you're saying about the, a lot of these bands, they lasted about the same length of time as a, a normal uh, rock band would tour. Yes. Well, well, it's interesting sort of looking at um, sort of realising and you don't have this kind of, uh, I don't know, history and awareness when you're young. And also things were happening. But you you realise now that, you know, sort of music, rock and pop started in the early 60s. And we've been sort of on this planet during this period of this amazing music. And things are definitely changing in the next kind of 10, 20 years. I mean, God knows how people will be looking back at this oh. time. But but we've kind of been here with the Beatles, the Stones, the Hendrix, the, you know, the whole sort of rock, yeah. the punks. So it's it's quite extraordinary that, that, um, that the sort of the guys like you, and I always remember when that, interview with uh, Mick Jagger in about sort of 64 saying how long do you think it will last and he looks a bit poignant and says probably another year and that will be it and and yeah you know yeah. a lot of the original ones are still rocking of course yeah you know you looked at you we didn't realize that when you were looking at people like Frank Sinatra you, you, you were going to be doing the same thing you know we looked at these guys and thought, oh well that's that kind of thing that lasts forever because it's that kind of yeah yeah so you never thought rock was going to do the same, you know, do, be just as lasting. Uh, and it's just been, well, it's, uh, you did take it year to year, because I remember we had a, had a band. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of joke thing with the band. We sort of went a full-time, if you like, when we started our first rehearsals as a full-time band when we packed up all the drums. It was the 1st of July. And uh, and when we they say, well, we'll see how long it lasts, maybe a year, but who cares? We'll make an album, we'll have a laugh, and we can go back to our jobs. And then, but they come the next 1st of July, we thought, we'll give it another year. So it was funny, it went on like that for ages. So even like after we'd been doing it, like sort of 42 years, we would phone each other, Dad and I would phone each other on the 1st of July and go, you fancy giving it another year? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so, so it just kept, the 1st of July just kept rolling round, you know, and... Uh, and uh, that was another one went by. And so uh, here we are. I couldn't think about doing anything else now. 
No, well, absolutely, it'll be hopeless. But but the thing which was quite interesting, because I know there was a book come out and an exhibition of uh, sort of Scottish, the history of Scottish music, because it's kind of suddenly with with a lot of things, we start archiving stuff, don't we? Because we get to that kind of age and period and you start looking back and reflecting and then sort of analysing stuff. Because we all, everything seems quite ephemeral and sort of quite disposable. And then you sort of look back and think, oh my God, no, it's absolutely amazing. We need to put it in a museum and, or collect all the sort of material. Well, of a band. Said, you see, it's so funny because we had that we've had that twice where up here that's the rip it up you're talking about that rip it up the big exhibition they have here yes <clears throat> and in Dunfermline where we come from they've got they opened up a museum and galleries last year uh, and they've got a big big section on Nazareth uh, because obviously local boys ourselves big country and stuff like that and uh, it was quite funny because I remember when we came into the 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 the, the 80s and stuff and all that was getting banded about, you know, if you still had a guitar uh, and a pair of jeans on, you were considered a dinosaur. It was We were all dinosaurs, remember? Everybody was a dinosaur from a rock band. And then we lost a bit longer. You would go through to the 90s, you get through to the 90s, and you became a legend then, you know? <laughs> so we went from dinosaurs to being legends, and legends was a piece of piss, you know? It was a lot easier, nicer being a legend. But then I was just sent you down, there are all these museums, so we've went from dinosaur to legend, and now we're a fucking artifact, you know. <laughs> but it's, so, so things are moving right along there. I'm, I'm, I'm in there with the Egyptian mummies, with the sarcophagus, you know. Yes, but it's <laughs> so inter- rock and roll is definitely. We've definitely made it. We're up there with Tutankhamun, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, I hadn't sort of realised this until thinking about it this year, was that kind of 30 years seems to be that period of time where suddenly, you know, people suddenly look around and go, oh, my God, don't throw those kind of posters away, those kind of fanzines, those kind of magazines, you know, all, all that. But, but for 30 years, people go, oh, you might as well just chuck that in the sort of wheelie bin, you know, chuck that into recycling. It's not worth anything, you know, let's move on. And then suddenly one day, and it seems to be around that 30-year mark, it's suddenly like, no, that's really precious. We need to sort of put that under glass. It's a collectible. It is a collectible. So it's, it is kind that's of interesting. Right. And you must sort of laugh because having sort of been in the sort of music world and going through each of those decades and all those fads, which is quite interesting, because I know that the 80s, for a lot of people who were who were in music beforehand, and we're talking about people like, I don't know, your David Bowie's, your Robert Plant's the, and Rod Stewart, mm-hmm. The 80s was tricky because people started to try and copy what was the mainstream and sort of looking and like for once, like they were following all these kind of top 10 bands, which were kind of like quite disposable, really. Whereas the rock world sort of didn't try to do that quite so much, though there was the hair metal world of L.A. that that was obviously made heavy. The rock bands were started copying one another, you know, that's more than anything else. No, they weren't, you know, they were... And they'd exhausted all the, the, the there wasn't anything from them for them to take it from it it developed into the sort of hard rock thing you know and uh, you start you started to get bands you get bands coming along that try to sound like Zeppelin or they start try to sound like Deep Purple or they start you know like you got the, that kind of the clones from then so the, the rock bands were actually uh, you know they, they were impersonating each other well a lot of them were you know yes. we were never in that bag because we never sort of I never, I never ever thought of us as a heavy rock band anyway you know we did that many different things but um, I think it's great it's, it's, it's you're talking about the longevity and the thing keeps going it's, it's nice when you, you know we came out and you had a, a new album in 1971 uh, that was my first album and then I was recording my 24th album when I was 71 and then this morning I, you know I get sent through the thing that's 
the number one bestseller on Amazon and all over Germany and Europe. So not only have you been still listened to this time, but the number one bestseller with a new album. I never ever thought that would happen. No. I never saw that. I never saw that coming. And uh, and it's such an incredible feeling. It's 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 hard to describe. In fact, I can't describe it. You know, we're absolutely so uh, just blown away. You know, but but not not just actually lasting this length of time, but to actually be, be still be to still be relevant after that length of time. I think I think that's the best thing that could ever be said about the band. You know, or about any band that are doing that. You know. Yeah, well, I think kind of making new material for most people is is kind of important, you know, beyond just being able to get. They're up. very much so, yeah. Yes. You know, you're not just going to, you don't want to just join the. I see these, you see a lot of these festivals, and they're good. I mean, they're good. They're the nostalgia things, especially out in Europe, you see them a lot. The oldies fests, really, you know, <laughs> and that's fair enough. Go along, fair enough. Go along and play them, and everybody has a great time. They get huge crowds. But you know, to have a bit of credibility, you know, you just you you got to, you've really, if you want to actually exist at a different kind of level, you've got to to follow that credibility. You've got to see, show that you're still being creative. You know, even though it's nice to play that, so obviously that's why you got the chance to still be creative. As it's just well, a lot of people just didn't bother anymore. They just got the hits and they say, well, that's it. Yeah. I can just keep trundling them out until I die, and of course they can. You know. But I mean, it's a very boring existence. I think. I think it's, and I think it's much, much, much better. Uh, and, and and as I say, it gives you a bit more credibility if you're still being being a creative outfit. And uh, and, yes. and, and and that's always been very important to us. You know. Because one of the things that I uh, sort of remember, because I've used to listen to a lot of um, interviews by Lemmy, who I always thought was kind of a wise person as well as making amazing music, was that the importance of the German and the European crowd to the the sort of almost the existence of Motorhead, who would occasionally, you know, would be going through a long period of time where they couldn't hardly get arrested and sell that many records on, in the UK and probably not the USA. But, you know, Europe was the one that that would keep with them all the time. And did and have you, and I've spoke to, like I said, this guy Alan Fish from Egypt, and he also said, God, you know, Europe and especially the Germans, you know, they, they are just like... Germany, is the, Germany was always, I mean... I know that the the, the all the rock uh, music came, you know, all the stuff that conquered the world came from Britain, and unbelievable, a tiny little island that turned out all this incredible stuff. You know, it's hard to believe, but we did. And you, yeah, the but the when you when I think about rock market, you know, it's always Germany. The the, the rock bands always went and worked. That's where you, that's a bread and butter. That's where you worked. That's where you could still you could tour. You could you could. St- tour and do far more shows out there. You know, there's only so much you can do in Britain, you know. And um, and, and Germany was always the main the main the main market for rock, really, you know, and, and it still is. Yes. Although they've got some of the most awful music that they make themselves. You know, they're just like the Schlager music and stuff. I mean is but but when they do do it, there's eighty thousand people go along to see it. You know, yes. when you, you see this stuff that you've never heard of these people that sing that boom bunny bang stuff, you know, that the Germans like, or at least that they write, I think it's Schlager music or something they call it, you know? Yes. And they've got people out there that they've got people out there that are selling at the Munich Olympic Stadium for three nights. You know, we've never heard of them here, but they, it shows you these people go out, they 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 buy tickets 
to to concerts. They buy tickets to go. They go out to concerts. You know. Yes. I, mean, I think in, in Britain a lot of the times you find this is definitely a definitely was much the case as they grew up, they get married, and that was it. Sorry, boys, we're not going out anymore. <laughs> we don't come to the rock concerts anymore. It's not like that over there. Yes. And it's and, and a bit, a, a bit like, I suppose America and Canada is a bit like that as well. You know, people still come out and go to rock concerts. Uh, you don't see that many couples coming to rock concerts. In Britain. At least I don't see them coming to other concerts. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yes, there's some sort of genres of music that sort of... Um appeal to a particular market. But the one thing that, that's mm. kind of also amazing is is um, dealing, because obviously, you know, being in the band, creating, you know, like this unit within you and then sort of trying to keep it together and people coming and going and, you know, all that kind of personal stuff, which must be tricky. And then, you know, you get to another age where people just start dying on you. I mean, how do you, you as a sort of person kind of deal with kind of those, those kind of issues and, and sort of, I suppose... I don't know problems in 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 some sort of. Way. Uh, I think it just goes. It just you know, it all comes up gradually, doesn't it? You know, it just kind of sneaks up on you, and and things that things happen. Guys are either leaving bands, you're changing lineups. People get sick, people die, like you say. You start to have other worries than just the music as things go along. But that just seems to be life, you know. That that seems to be like how everybody's life goes without a band, you know. Just as as if you were just the guy next door. That whatever he does, it's the same thing, you know. And it all sort of just develops. You start to get you start to get the usual problems that that you get with the passing of time, really. And I think bands. Pretty much the same, um, and but but with us, it's you know when I look when I look back, I think of the different lineups that we've had. You know the the, the uh, that I've been lucky enough to play in the mall. Obviously, I'm still here, and um, it was it was it was it was great. And 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 you, you look you look back now. I look back now. Did that all happen? Did that really happen to me? You know, it's it's, it's weird. But I, I still feel that the, the when when I get up in the morning now, all I'm thinking about is the current layup and what we're doing now. You know, I don't, I hardly, I don't, I don't dwell on uh, this. What's happened uh, when people have had to stop playing, or, or you know, it's, I, I don't dwell on that. Try not to dwell on the past uh, stuff. And I think that's maybe quite it's worked for us. It's worked for me. Yes. Well, I. I, I... You know, I can see as a positive, and you always have to take a positive from things which, which come, you know, because there's no point. Otherwise, you're just going to be a negative person. But obviously, it must kind of give you an opportunity to experiment and change the, the general vibe of a band, but also to sort of think, oh, well, actually, this guy can bring something new to it, which we wouldn't have had otherwise. Definitely. So, so I do, I, you know, because I can see, you know, there must be great to, if you if you, you to the, you know, um, the Rolling Stones and those bands where you just have this solid unit, even though sometimes it must all feel a bit tense. Whereas a, a solo artist like David Bowie, you know, was able to think, right, I'm going to do a new album and I'm going to have a different band. So there must be pros and cons right. of that. But but at the same time, you must be able to have that kind of slight stability with the occasional, right, we're going to have to get a new, you know, a new singer. And, well, and that, I mean, that, was, that was a big step. You know, that's the biggest step you can make. You know, you just... Uh, you know that you don't get the bass player and and boys band saying right we're going to get rid of boy now. <laughs> you know that's not the way it goes. Uh, no, when we had the big the, the big big the biggest step I think a band uh, is, is going to make is getting a, getting a new singer because that's the sound of your band is the guys' vocal, and that was always going to be the hardest thing to to do. That's that's the the hardest change that I've lived through with, with Nazareth. 
but we came through it. That's the that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people would have would never have given us a, a chance of doing that. Would never have said that that would work, but it has worked. It's incredible. Yes. Uh, and the guy and the guy that was getting replaced was a kind of icon anyway, you know. So it was it was it's quite quite amazing what's happened. But yeah, I've seen I've, I've seen a lot of different guys in, in in the band, and what was good is through the, the mostly everybody that we've had playing uh, were were songwriters as well. You know, they did actually contribute to the to the right and so you got a lot of different things a, a lot of different styles of things to consider and to play you know um and that was that you don't think about that at the time while it's while you're doing it but when i look back i do see all the the different guys and what they've they've contributed in the song wise when i look back through all the all the albums that we've done so i was very lucky to have to to get to to sample all that kind of thing and to be part of that kind of thing yes but it's ongoing and 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 as i say with the biggest the biggest the hardest thing we ever had to do was to decide whether we were going to keep going after your lead singer went and when we did decide we were then then it was, how do we find somebody to, to do this? We don't want somebody that sounds like him. We've got to get somebody that sounds completely different so we don't get slagged off for getting a sound alike. Uh, so what do we do? And we've managed to come through that, and we've managed to get a guy, not only as a great singer, but he's a really good songwriter as well. And another, so it's, an, it's another kind of... Uh, Another kind of songs that I'm playing, you know, that, that, that somebody else is coming to contribute. And everybody that's been in the band has mainly been a contributor song-wise. I mean, a couple of keyboard players who weren't really big uh, songwriters, but they were, you know, very good, good, at, good at arranging and stuff like that. But all the other guys that have been in the band have been songwriters and, 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 and very good songwriters, well, in my opinion, anyway, in our opinion. <laughs> that's so, that's been... Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a trap. It's been a trap. When, uh, yes. I've been very lucky to to work with all these different people, really. And one of the favourite bands I had when I was kind of growing up in the seventies was Spirit. And you obviously, uh, you know, it's like one of those little things. Um, one of the key members of that band was John Locke, wasn't he? You know, John Locke. Oh, he was a brother. Well, I mean, the Twelve Dreams of Doctor Sardonicus was one. Of, I mean, that was one of our favourite albums. You know, I mean, it was it was an album that we. We loved. Uh, we used to do a couple of songs from it on on, on stage, and when we went to when, the way how we met John is we were recording on Montserrat in Air Studios, and we thought, oh good, we could. It's a pity we didn't have a you know. There's nothing there, just us in the middle of Montserrat, some little island, you know. And we were saying it's a pity, you know, we could have been doing with a bit of keyboard on that. And it was the guy that was that, that run the studio there. So, you know, there's a guy here, a guy here. Uh, who lives here? He's, he's living on the island. We called John Locke. We went what? He said John Locke. We said from Spirit. <laughs> and we go yeah. We said no, surely not. And the guy came up the show, and it was John Locke. We said we couldn't believe our luck. Here's this guy from one of our favourite bands or off one of our favourite albums, and he just come to play in a few few tracks, you know, just to, and then we, we liked it that much. We asked him to join the band, so he joined the band and made a couple albums with us. And, but they were they were oh, that was a great band that was great and they did some great mistakes great songs yes and that, I mean, in fact even even if they'd have just got together just for that one album that was enough to make the mark in the world I think you know that was that was to us that was like a Sergeant Pepper at the time that the Twelve Dreams of Doctor Sardonicus 
Yeah, well, I, I I always thought that was incredible, and you know, oh, being, classic, classic being, album, being a bit right. obsessed, I did try and get a few of their other albums and a few solo albums. But um, I couldn't believe when I then sort of read that he he must have died. That must have been his last musical project was working with you because he died. Quite no, soon. no, no. John died about I think it was about eight, uh, I think that was, he, he was sixty two, sixty four. He must have been. I'll uh, be about ten years now almost since he died. No, no. What happened was. Um, when he left with Nazareth, uh, 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 they they got spirit back together again for 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 a while, and they did actually tour over here. I believe they did. I never saw him again, but they they did get back together. Him and Jay Ferguson and uh, Randy. I, I don't I, I don't know if Randy was I Randy Randy I Randy and uh, and and uh, Ed Cassidy. I'm sure they did. Anyway, he, he did get back together with with spirit for a wee while. Uh, but I, 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 we we kind of lost contact, you know, because he moved back from he moved back from um, Montserrat to to LA, and then once people go back to LA, you completely lose them, unless even if you live there, you know. Yes, absolutely. So he, uh, yeah, he disappeared into the jungles of LA again. This is tricky. And what would you, you know, because you've had phenomenal experience and and uh, uh, yes, kind of. Um, probably a huge amount of, you know, learning curves in life and, and sort of dips and all that. What would you sort of tell your 18-year-old self or, you know, what sort of thing that you picked up on this way that you think, God, that would have been just really good if I'd read those kind of five or two bullet points that someone said, just just do this or just keep your eye on that that part of the, I don't know, the creativity or the business? Uh how, I'm sorry, I'm, I kind of lost you there. How, how... Yeah, so no, I was just going to say, what would you, you know, with your experience of being in the band and, and you know, decades, yeah. you know, what would you say to your 18-year-old self if you could have seen them? You know, and I'm sort of talking generally, not about, oh. not about particularly, you know, just that kind of those lessons you've learned. Because often people go, God, I would just say to an 18-year-old, just do, you know, I won't bore you to tears, but I will just say, just take, keep your eye on these couple of things and uh, focus on them. Oh, oh man, is it? it would just be, you know, always, 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 it'd just be business, you know, that's the, that's the only things that people, I think that's the only thing that any of us ever regret was business decisions. And, you know, and, and obviously, it's, it's always it's always the same management things. There's always been the, the, the legal start, the side of the business, everything else, you know. Even at that, all the mistakes that we've made, or the mistakes that were made on our behalf, you know, has made us what we are, and that's uh, and uh, and it makes you what uh, you know. That's that, that's a, probably the right thing that you do. It's all it's all due, due to that experience that you live through that, that you the, that you create what you create, you know. But I mean, if the, uh, um, if I was to, probably probably what you're asking there is what I would say if I said something to my 18 year old self. My eighteen-year-old self would probably just fucking ignore me now, the same as I did then. You know? Yes, this is always true. <laughs> See, what do you know, you old fart? And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, uh, yes. and uh, I'm going to do this. Now we know we the only things you know. There's 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 things that you look. Oh, if if would have done that, and if would have done that. But you know, it's uh, so. It's not even worth looking at that kind of thing, really, is it? It's just uh, miss miss chances. But I mean, the only things that, as I say, the only things that ever that we ever us and every other band I know. I mean, you know, I don't know a band that hasn't been screwed by their management. Not one. I don't know one. 
ever in yes. the history of rock and roll or the history of anything. Not one. So it doesn't matter what you say. That's going to happen to you. Get ready for it, boy. <laughs> uh, it's happened to me like two or three times. You'll be if you can keep it down to two or three times, you'll be doing okay. Um, but that, that that's going to happen. It doesn't matter, you know. It's the 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 the, the music will take care of itself. The business, that's the problem. And uh, some guys are suited to live in that business. Some aren't, you know. I'm I'm actually a kind of a businessman myself. I run the band now because in, in the last 20 years, you know, I haven't, had a, I haven't had an outside manager. I decided to manage myself because I don't cheat myself, you know. And so that, so that's, uh, I, can live with, I can live with myself. But that's the one thing I would just say, watch yourself on the business end, that's all. Yeah. And sort of, I know you, you are still creating, so this is a bit of a tricky question to answer. But, you know, is there a period that you look back and think, yeah, we were really on the money there? And then there's another period that you think, yeah, we slightly lost our way. Because most bands kind of look at a bit where they, they did the disco album. I'm not saying you did a disco album, but, you know, some bands went, oh dear, you know, that. That was an album that um, we just didn't call. No, well, there, there was a couple of things that were. There's albums, you know, I liked better than others, but there was always usually something on on, on every album that that did something either for the band or for for you personally. So there's, you know, there's things uh, that the 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 whole the whole time that was uh, well, you were talking about the eighteen the eighties. The new romantic uh, period. Uh, the 80s was hard. It was a hard decade for a rock band to be in, you know, because there wasn't there was no rock. There was no rock radio. There was nothing. It was that was all those those guys, you yes. know. And that 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 wasn't that wasn't my my favourite musical period. Uh, when they went, it all changed again when the 90s swung round and we started getting. Uh, you started to get the guitar bands and stuff happening again, like your Oasis and Blurs and all this kind of thing. You know, mm. that was uh, it. Came back to almost, it almost came back to rock again, and that's when people start. You know, the the rock, the rock bands from the seventies got a new lease of life, and the, the, those that survived the eighties got a new lease of life come the nineties, and of course, then I say we became legends then. So we we lived through the dinosaur period. Yes. but um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that whole that that whole um, decade was kind of weird for for me. But I know it's hard to say that, but I. Yeah, well, I, I can see because there's, you know, like I said, you know, with certain artists who were quite established, like um, I suppose Robert Plant and David Bowie. I mean, they tried to copy it, and then people like Status Quo started copying or, or covering some really naff songs to get in the top ten, which was kind of even more bizarre. But then I was well. just, but, but I was just also aware well. that there was also those kind of Bon Jovi's and that LA rock scene that you were thinking, well, these are kind of our, our sort of young children who have just taken. The that rock. was all lightweight. It's kind of lightweight stuff. That, <laughs> these, you know, that these, was, I never, I, I never got that. I never, I never really. It never got to my heart that that stuff. You know, no. it was just. Uh, but then no, you had. Was, but was then the, you had Guns and Roses. I was just thinking, that, you know, these were your kind of. I wouldn't say completely your children, <laughs> not legally, but you know, they were the offspring of the kind of the metal, the rap, the rock period, weren't they? Yeah. Who had yeah. taken who yeah. had taken the baton and and put a lot more sort of I don't know. I don't know, attention to hair and um, big metal kind of sound, really. I just wondered if, if you managed to ride that a little bit or whether it just kind of almost made you all more, more confused. Uh, you see, I think, I think if we could, uh, we, we, could, we could have probably built on things like, like say, the Hair of the Dog album with that kind of rough, 
sort of sound. That one was a hit. Now we could have did another one like that, and then we did kind of, but we did. We could have just kept making them like this is the Nazareth sound, but we didn't do that. Uh, maybe we could have been bigger, maybe, but I think I, I think most of us would have left the band bored. You would have just said, I can't, I can't do this. You know, we had to, we had to do different things, and 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 that's 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 been. The two things. It's maybe stopped Nazareth being gigantic, but it's kept the band going. Uh, I think would have disappeared, or would have made it even bigger with that noise. But I don't think would have been that happy. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to just arrive and say this is the Nazareth sound and make another ten records that sound like that. I would. We would have hated that. We'd, we would have broken up anyway. And what kept us going was like the sort of diversity of the stuff that we liked and we liked to record and we liked to write and we liked to play. So maybe we didn't, I don't know if we didn't, maybe business-wise we didn't do ourselves a lot of favours by being like that, but we definitely did our head a lot of favours by doing that, and our art. Yes, this is true. This is also true. I mean, it is, it, it is such a sort of a tricky one to sort of get that right. I know, because I did an interview with <clears throat> Fast Eddie, bizarrely, last year, and um, but often trying to get the producer or getting that sound in from the studio and the recording is often one of those things that can be really difficult and sometimes it can work. Well, you get different producers. You get you get different sounding albums with different producers, obviously. You know, and some we've done we've done them with the the, the, the complete opposites. You know, for instance, you know, we did an album with Jeff Baxter, uh, which was a very when we did Miles in Wonderland. Uh, that very well, the end of '79, the beginning of the '80s, really, and that was a very, very the softest I think sound in Nazareth album. But I loved making that record. I mean, uh, I know Dan and I; it's one of our favourites. And but, but that's the a lot of Nazareth fans didn't like that one, and 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 some guys in Nazareth didn't like that one. But you know, it was a different. It was it was it was a producer's. Uh, it was it was a producer's record. You know, the same as. You know, it became uh, a producer. We'll, we'll change. We'll change the sound, and 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 you're you're going to get a stamp on it. When we did Two uh, XS, we had like John Punter, uh, who don't well, John worked with a lot of us, and it was very much the kind of sound that he he liked to create that we got in that. So you do get you do get led by the nose a bit with, with your producers, but you can have fun doing that. You know, you can you, you see this is oh this is different. Blah, blah, blah. Let's make a record with this guy. Oh, we'll get the one that sounds like that. You know, but it was always but the things. It was always the songs that we wrote. It was it was it's always funny to see, or it's always interesting to see what somebody else's idea of what your song is. You know, when we did when we were writing the songs for uh, Malice in Wonderland, I mean they were all rock 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 songs. That was the way Jeff Baxter really saw them produced. Uh, they didn't sound like. They, they could have sounded completely different if we'd have got somebody that if we'd have got Roy Baker to produce them, for instance, or somebody you know, we've got Roger Glover to produce them. You know, those same songs wouldn't wouldn't have sounded like that album. That's, that, the producer does put his stamp on it, definitely. Yeah, this is amazing. Look, well, Pete, I'm just so, so pleased that uh, I've got you know, I've got the interview, and also just that that you're still rocking because um, having spoke to so well, many people, you know, it's a it's a tricky it. one. Yes, I know. <laughs> but it's one of one of the saddest interviews I've ever done, which was kind. Of, it was Les from the Bay City Rollers, actually, because I mean he really did get screwed over so badly, and you know, and you know, I know they're a bit different, you know, the Bay City Rollers, but you know, it's like I didn't like them, but they didn't deserve to be quite so ripped off by the management. No, I know nobody deserves. If you listen, it doesn't matter <clears throat> whether the music sucks or whether whatever, it doesn't matter. 
if you if you sold the records, you should get paid for it. It's as simple as that, you know. I mean, these people play stuff that, uh, that I don't exactly love, but I mean, they made the record. Uh, but some other clown is robbing them. I don't like to see that. But that happens to happens to the best of us. That happens to everybody's been taken to the cleaners, you know, the who. Uh, everybody, everybody has, has, has been. Yes. And I tell you, it's all in Deep Purple. They've done okay. Deep Purple have been had their own, the same management. Uh, for, Bruce has been their manager for a long, 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 long time. I don't think they've ever been uh, buggered up business-wise just quite as much as everybody else. They were quite lucky. But everybody else, from the Rolling Stones, they were so we'll see what happened to the Beatles. <laughs> yes, this is true. And, you know, so you know, nobody's immune um, to, to the business. Nobody. Well, the uh, and the Beasley Rollers, unfortunately, they just, that was just stupid. That was just, they had management that just didn't know how to, didn't know what they were doing. And so the big record company boys just took the piss out of them, you know, and, and that'll, that'll happen, you know. Yes. But the good thing is with Nazareth, and I just realised, because when you mentioned Deep Purple, for some reason I thought of Yes, and there was also a few other bands, Barclay James Harvest, where there's been so much internal friction in the bands that there's kind of now two bands and they're both slightly... The, the lawyers have made a fortune on this, obviously. And, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> and because like, like there's two yeses and now there's two Barclay James Harvest and you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, talk about complicated. So luckily you've avoided having to have so-and-so's Nazareth and so-and-so... No, we've never, we've never really had that much bother, like, uh, and, you know, within the band. I mean, if, if guys... Guys didn't like it. They just went, they left, and 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 that was then that was that, you know. But we've never had uh, any sort of legal shenanigans um, uh, amongst us. We've, ne- we've never had any of that. Which I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad to say. Uh, no, no, no. Listen, when we were uh, when all the guys that were in the band or have ever, ever been in the band, when the band got screwed, we all got screwed. That's <laughs> the that, you know that was it. Was we, we weren't doing it to each other. It was always outside. Yes. Outside forces, you know. <laughs> and luckily the musical so, differences never sort of appeared either. Well, I mean, the thing is, we didn't really have musical differences because uh, we we all wrote songs and we all played each other's songs quite happily. You know, we, somebody would come in with a song and you'd better respect, you know, this is, he likes this song. So how are we going to do this song? How are we going to play this? You know, we never ever said, okay, that, I mean, there's been times where we go, well, nah, I don't see this fitting at all. You know, well, that's, that happens from time to time. But generally, when you've written a song like that, you think, no, nah, this isn't going to... I've, I've done it myself. I've taken in songs and I think, oh, I, I like this song. And then we're playing it, and you know, nah, this really isn't for a Nazareth album, you know? And, and So that's happened. But generally, when we come in... Um, when when we come in with a thing and and we didn't have differences of opinion, we for a start we we mainly liked all the same bands and the the original Nazareth we did like all the same, all the same Little Feet were, was their favourite band of all time and we liked the band and all that kind of stuff, but um, so we kind of agreed on a lot of that stuff and we liked a lot of the heavy rock, but we never really had any big musical differences when it came down to playing on the stage and to recording. So I'm, I'm, and so there was none of that to fall out about, because we gave everybody's song a shot. If it came in, we'd do the best we could to make the song uh, an Azareth song, and you could see it in albums. You can see going through the albums. That I could see. Well, of course, I, I recorded them, so I know who wrote what what song. See, we would just put it all down 
as Nazareth, as writers, you know, well, you see that with Lennon and McCartney, they put it down no matter who wrote the song. But we used to do the same with Nazareth in a lot of cases. And of course, you know, in a lot of cases, there was one one guy would write more of the song than, than another guy, but it was always just put that way, just sort of made the same amount of money. So that was to keep everybody happy as well. So we tried to keep a fairly, you know, fairly even balance. But, um, that's that's so a very... we, and, and, and and again, I think that's why we had such a diverse amount, diverse records because we were doing everybody's songs, you know, and not actually not falling out about them, actually trying to play them. You know? Yes, God, that sounds very wise because that, that's often the the other one that someone says, "No, this is my song. I make all the money," and the others go after several. This is what happens after several years, you know. Somebody goes, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm I can't pay the rent this week, you know, so I'm going. Uh, you know, well, so. doesn't it doesn't doesn't really doesn't work that very well because it takes uh, I mean somebody can write a song and then but it takes the band to sell that you know the, the, it's the band's name that sells it uh, if anybody you know wants to do the other thing you just say well go and make a solo record and see how many you sell that if you don't <laughs> if you don't have the name of the band on it you know yes yeah, um, I'm sure you know and and, uh, and you can see the big difference but I mean even 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 what you put down a lot of cases, when you put down the names individually, uh, as well we do in this album, but you put the names down individually, but you can still uh, split the publishing um, uh, equally, so it doesn't doesn't matter. You can let everybody can see who wrote what, but at the end of the day, everybody makes the same amount, and that keeps everybody happy. That's you know, no room for upsetting people. No, and it's always good That's, to sort uh, of. Uh, it, works, it works for some people. It doesn't work for them all, you know. No. But I think as but, I, I think uh, it's when your head hits the pillow at night, you don't want to sort of have that conversation where there's a big squabble. squabble. You want to feel sort of like clean. And no, no, no. We just we just we just just the same arguments and as ever any any other band. But it was nothing. It was never about never never really about. Yeah, we never had any big differences from opinions like that. You know, I've got to say. Yes. I've got to, what I'm going to say is I got an interview boxed for an, in five minutes. You have. Start, okay. So. Pete, thank you ever so much and really appreciate it. Was, and I'm, it was, I'm so pleased that, um, you know, it's rocking it. And thank you for the amazing music you've, done, you know, you've produced, which is amazing. Well, this is, I, I've enjoyed it. It was good talking to you, okay? Okay. Take care, Pete, and all you the take best. Easy, take it easy. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was me in conversation with a bass player, and vocalist Pete Agnew from Nazareth. A big thank you for giving me the time for that. This has been David Eastall. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have no, idea. <laughs> no reason why, but you could do. That's, uh, yeah, just do C86show. And also, they've all been archived, so you can find them. C86show on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. <laughs>